0: I think, based on some scriptures, especially in Isaiah, that sheep get a bad rap in the Bible. They're not as dumb as people think they are. And that's what happens when we seem to be called sheep. It seems that we're getting this bad rap, and especially the animal world the sheep. The last article that I read about sheep is that they can understand 80 voice commands, 80, eight zero voice commands. They can recognize a number of different voices and even sense in them if this is friend or foe. And they're an amazing, intelligent animal. The article went on to say something that really just startled me, and it said this. They they said, sheep do get dumb, their words, sheep get dumb when they are scared. That's when they get dumb. And then the article said, there's one huge problem. They're scared of everything which means that they are dumb all the time. That's the problem. Fear creates the ignorance, and then in that moment, that's when all of a sudden reason is thrown out, 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 out the window. Folks, that seems to happen to us, doesn't it? When fear seems to come in, reason gets thrown out. We seem to find ourselves when something is going wrong with us physically. We all become doctors by way of Google. And all of a sudden, now we all have MD degrees and and we know what's wrong with us. Because what fear does is we want answers, we want it now. We want to know what's going on and we're going to figure this whole thing out. I want to take you to a familiar Old Testament story that has an amazing ending, but it's a forgotten beginning. And it's this forgotten beginning that I want us to talk about just for the next few moments. It started out in fear. And you're going to see how somebody throws out all of reason, but in the end, it ends with triumph and God stepping in in such a powerful way. This is a verse that many of us have heard before, and you know it. In fact, if you know this, say it with me out loud. It's Hebrews 13:8. Jesus Christ is the same. Say it with me. Yesterday, today, and forever. How many have ever heard of that verse before? Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when you read this verse, it's interesting. Because immediately we want to speak about a character of God that many of us forget sometimes. We would call that in theology, the immutability of God, or we would say it in layman's terms, the consistency of God. That God doesn't change. That isn't it a blessing to know that when you wake up on Monday morning, he's still the same God that you worshiped on Sunday. That's the God. That's what that word immutable means. It means unchanging. The unchanging God, Malachi says, I am the Lord, and I change not. But the context of this passage changes the scope of this passage. And we realize that Hebrews 13.8 isn't really so much, though it's true, it's not so much about the character of God, it's really more about, get this now, the classroom of God. It's really God's classroom on his development of his sons and daughters in maturing them. Because the verse prior to that starts to make sense to me. This is what it says. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, And forever what he was saying was is this he was saying God has a plan that he puts in a classroom that he puts his sons and daughters through so whether think about this that what you're about to hear today is not some story from thousands of years ago but because God doesn't change his curriculum is very similar to all of our lives that a story that you're going to read in the book of Exodus has current, up-to-date relevance for your life right now. And I want to give you something to imitate. And it's so important to understand that. In fact, let me just say this. The writer says, imitate their faith. As you observe their outcome, imitate that faith. Can I just challenge you today? You better make sure that you're imitating the right people. You better make sure that you're looking at the outcome of people's faith, not just the balloons and whistles that are happening right now. You have to go, they went through the fire, they went through the flood, and they still love Jesus. One person puts it like this. If you're looking for someone who can give you wisdom, may I recommend that you look for someone who has been hurt deeply, but whose faith has remained unshaken. He says, that's the person that you look to. Don't look at the bells and whistles. And so let me share with you a story that I think is worth imitation of his faith. Moses has just met the eternal God on the side of a mountain. He has been in the desert for 40 years. He has left Egypt where he's at for 40 on the side of a desert. And he really thought at 80 years old, I am done. But God was getting him ready for his finest hour. So I'm telling you right now, seniors, you are not done until God says you're done. You have to. Wow, that's a lot of senior voices in this place. God appeared to him in the form of a burning bush, gives him an assignment to get his people out of Egypt after four centuries. And I wanna pick up the story in Exodus 4. He This leaves the, the side of the mountain, the burning bush, and Moses is about to do everything that God has asked him to do in the encounter. And Moses is about to go do one extra step that I, I think it's important to look at in just in, as, as we get him into Egypt. And I want to show you his journey for just a few moments. And keep it in mind, sheep are dumb only when they're afraid. But the problem is they get afraid of everything. Listen to what happens. Moses leaves the side of the mountain, and this is what it says. Then Moses departed and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, this is amazing, church. I want you to hear this. Please let me go that I may return to my brethren who are in Egypt and see if they're still alive. And Jethro said, go in peace. You know what's amazing to me? I want to just stop before I bring you right into Egypt. Moses talks to God. Do you see what happens here? Look at that verse again. Moses talks to God, but submits his plan to his father-in-law. He doesn't simply go do it. He says, Jethro, who who is literally, Jethro is not a name. Jethro is a spiritual title. And what he was saying was this, that instead of showing up and saying, God told me, he seeks leadership blessing and approval. I know that really gets some of you upset, except that one man over there. Because many have heard less from heaven and still don't do what Moses did. Moses hears and talks to the living, eternal God and still says, before I go, I need you to bless me. It's the difference between someone who's been sent and someone who just went. And what God does is uses, I, and I show this to you, not from my standpoint, but I want you to see that this man was doing everything right. Moses hears God. Moses obeys God. Moses submits to leadership. And then Moses shows up in Egypt and says what God has told him to say. Let me say that again. Moses hears God on the side of the mountain, obeys God. He submits it to leadership, then shows up in Egypt and, does, and says what God told him to say, how did it go his first day on the job at 80 years old? Well, let me read it to you. Exodus chapter five. And afterward, Moses and Aaron came and said to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel said, let my people go that they may celebrate to me a feast in the wilderness. Here's the problem. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? And I do not know the Lord. And besides, I will not let Israel go. Man, this is a tough day on your first day. Remember what we said about sheep. When they get scared, they get dumb. When they get scared, they get dumb. So all of a sudden, We're about to read of a scared sheep in verse three because it didn't go. Remember, he hears God, obeys God, submits to leadership and goes to the place he's supposed to be. I thought I was supposed to read this and it says, let my people go. And verse two is supposed to say, of course, because you heard from God. So therefore, let them all go. But he says, Pharaoh, I don't know you I don't know God, and nobody's leaving. Look at verse 3, and here's a sheep that just got dumb. Then they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go. I was going like, now he's using manners. The three-day journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Otherwise, he will fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. I, I, I want you to leave that up there for just a moment. I want you to see what Moses does. Sheep are smart until they get afraid. And when they get afraid, they get dumb. And when they get, what, what are they afraid of? Of everything. Moses gets afraid of Pharaoh's response. He has heard God, obeyed God, submitted to leadership in God's place. And because something goes wrong, everything changes. Look at verse 3. Three things stood out to me. Look at the first word, please. He gets polite. Maybe that's the magic word for Pharaoh to let the people go. Please let us go. Look at the next phrase, on a three-day journey. That's not what God said. He just adjusted, let my people go, to a holiday weekend. Can we leave Labor Day weekend? Or can we leave Fourth of July weekend? We just need, that's not what God said. He said, I want my people out of bondage. I want my people out of chains. And now Moses just adjusted it and said, please, how about three days? And then here's the crazy part. And then he says this, if you don't, he will fall, God will fall upon who? He says, if you don't let us, God's going to really mess us up. I want to go, hold on. He said the Egyptians are in trouble, not you. What, how did we get to please holiday weekend and God is going to take us out if you don't do this right? Sheep are smart until sheep get scared and Moses just got scared. Please, holiday weekend, he'll fall upon us. That's all sheep talk, folks. That's what that is. So what happens? This is first day on the job. I've obeyed God. I've heard from God. I've obeyed God. I submitted to leadership. I'm exactly where God has asked me to go. And the first day has gone terrible. And then it continues on. Here's what it says. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you draw the people away from their work? Get back to your labors. And Pharaoh said, look. He said, the people of the land are now many. And you would have them cease from their labors? Look what he goes on to say. So the same day, same day, first day on the job, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters over the people and their foremen, saying, you are no longer to give the people straw to make brick as previously. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the quota of bricks which they are making previously, you shall impose upon them. Don't, you're going to begin to let them gather their own. That means they're going to lose time, but I want the same quota because they're messing around here with this guy Moses. You'll impose it upon them. You are not to reduce any of it because they are lazy and therefore they cry out, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Verse 9, let the labor be heavier on the men. Let them work as it is so that they will pay no attention to these false words. Verse 10, so the taskmasters of the people and their foremen went out, spoke to the people saying, thus says Pharaoh, I am not going to give you any straw. You go get straw for yourselves and whatever you can find it, but none of your labor was going to be reduced. So the people scattered through all the land of Egypt, gathered stubble for straw, and the taskmasters pressed them saying, complete your quota, your daily amount, just as when you had straw. This is all on the first day. I've heard from God. I've obeyed God. I've submitted to leadership and I'm exactly in the place that God has asked me to go, and it has gone awfully bad. Pharaoh said no, I adjusted everything, and now the people are asked to make bricks without straw. Now the doubts have to come. Did I even hear from God to do this? Think about that. I can see his mind going, what am I doing? Talking to shrubbery on the side of a mountain and thinking this is what God wants me to do. I thought if God says to me to do something, and it goes, then it's supposed to go really good, but this is going really bad. See, here's what happens sometimes, church. Let me give you my script on how I thought this was supposed to go. Since I heard from God, obeyed God, submitted to leadership, and have been in the place that God has asked me to be. This is where people, this is where I, this is where us, we can get frustrated with God. It's when what we think happens, supposed to happen, doesn't happen. It's when our script doesn't match God's script, which is what I think God should do for me in my situation and what actually happens. When I'm reading this story, I'm going, God, this man has obeyed you. He's heard from you. He's submitted to leadership, and he's in the right place. Then here, when I'm reading, gather, gather your own straw, make bricks from stubble, here's my script that I thought maybe God would do. I thought maybe in this story there would be magic bricks, that literally, they took away your straw, then either God will grow straw from the ground or maybe snow straw from heaven. Or maybe in heaven, God will make pre-made bricks and throw them down for them and maybe hit some Egyptians while he's doing that. Here's what's amazing. Moses hears from God, obeys God, submits to leadership, is in the place he's supposed to be, and all of a sudden, they say, make the quota, but you're going to have only stubble. My question is this, did they make the quota, and did the magic bricks come? Look at verse 14. Moreover, the foremen of the sons of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and said, why have you not completed your required amount? There were no magic bricks. You heard God. You obeyed God. You submitted to leadership. And now you're in the place that God's supposed to be. And you can't even make quota. Then all of a sudden, how did the people feel? Look at verse 20. When they left Pharaoh's presence, they met Moses and Aaron. This part always always makes me laugh. It says, as they were waiting for them. As they were waiting for Moses and Aaron to show up. They said, may the Lord look upon you and judge you for you have made us odious in Pharaoh's sight and the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. It's amazing to me that all of a sudden they say as they're waiting for him that the Lord will judge you. You've made us odious in Pharaoh's sight. How did Moses feel? That's verse 22. Look at this, folks. And Moses returned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you brought harm to this people? And how many have ever thought these words before? Why did you ever send me? Look at it. Ever since I came to Pharaoh to speak your name, he has done harm to this people. This is Moses now. He's just talked to God. And you have not delivered your people at all. This is amazing when you read this chapter. Hears from God, obeys God, submits to leadership, is in God's place. And when you read Exodus chapter 5, Pharaoh's angry, the people are angry, Moses is angry, but can I give you some good news? God is as calm as it can ever be because he knows exactly what he's doing. While everybody else is on edge, God's going according to plan. Because here's where we're at sometimes. Most Christians long to see miracles, but they don't want to be put in a position to really need one. Everybody wants a miracle, but we don't want to live where we have to get one. I want to connect the dots on this mystery for just a moment, because this is something that God has been speaking to my own heart, because it's when you're in that season and you're asking, where are the magic bricks? Where are all the magic bricks? You, I listened to you. I obeyed you. I did exactly what you wanted me to do. And here's, here's what I kept thinking. If I'm in the right place, why is everything going wrong? I heard you, I obeyed you, I submitted to my leadership. I'm in the right, why is everything going wrong? I've done what you've asked, God, but it doesn't seem you did your part, God. And how many have ever thought these words or prayed these words like Moses? Look at verse 23, ever since I came. Look at those words again. You fill in the blank, here it comes. Ever since I came to TSC. Ever since I came, those that are watching online, to Summit School of the Ministry, ever since I did my time at Summit, ever since I started this tithing thing, ever since I moved to New York, ever <laughs> <laughs> Folks just give themselves away. I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> If you want to know what's going on in people's lives, just listen during the message. The loudest statements. When I start talking about husbands, listen for the wife. Hallelujah. Always happens. People get sold out in sermons. Ever since I came to ever since I cut off that relationship. Ever since I became a Christian. And all of a sudden, now we're faced with this moment and we're telling God everything was going fine ever since. Pharaoh's angry. Moses is angry. The people are angry. God is fine. How do you make sense of this kind of season? I want to walk you through something on how to make sense of what I've learned to do whenever I've said, Ever since I came to New, Year, ever since I've said yes to ministry, ever since we did the, ever since we've all been there. But how do you make sense of this when you've heard from God, obeyed God, submitted to leadership? You're in the right. You're in the right place. And all of a sudden, you still have the words come out. Ever since. Ever since. How many know what I'm talking about? Would you just raise your? Oh my goodness. We've got a problem, church. Everybody raise their hand. So I want to help you. I want to give you two descriptions and two responses to this season. I want to give you two descriptions and two responses where God has helped me. Here's the first one. Number one, jot this down. Sometimes the first day of obedience will feel like you made a mistake. Sometimes the first day of obedience will feel like you've made a mistake. You're thinking, what did I just say yes to? After 40 years of ministry, one of the most common questions I always get asked is this. Do you, have ever, do you have any regrets in your 40 years of ministry? And one of the regrets that always looms, I don't say it very much. I don't think I've ever said it even from this pulpit. Because many of you know the story of Cindy and I purchasing a 900C X movie theater in the center of Detroit, starting a church. They shut down the movies. We came right in, renovated this, this theater, and started to see God do some amazing things. But the thing I don't mention about that pornographic theater is the the older gentleman that sold it to us was wanting to get out of the porn business, and he owned another pornography theater one block away. And it wasn't just one block away. It sat at the crossroads of probably considered the busiest intersection of the Detroit metropolitan area. And he wanted to package the two theaters together and sell us the other theater, now don't groan when I say this, for just $22,000. And I thought, and here's what happened. It was an issue of fear and faith. I said, no, I I barely have enough faith to renovate one pornographic theater. I can't do two, and I said no. And it sat there vacant for a few years, and then Hustler Magazine came in, took it over, and made it a promiscuous club for men. It made me sick to my stomach. Every morning I would drive by that, that the Deja Vu Theater, it was called. Every morning I'd drive by the Deja Vu Theater, and my kids, I would drive them to school, and I would, we would pray in the car every day, and my kids would pray this with me every day as I'm taking them to elementary school. We'd pray, God, shrivel up their finances. Shrivel up their so, I'm, I'm with a kindergartner. Shrivel up their finances. <laughs> and I felt hustler came in because I didn't take a step of It was a regret, $22,000 regret that I thought I should have taken. I, I, I can't even believe my fear. Sheep are smart until they get fearful. When they get fearful, they get dumb. It was a dumb mistake that I made. It's a regret that I think to myself, and here's what I decided we were going to do as a church. After years and Hustler coming in, I said, we are going to pray and fast that God shut that theater down. We are going to go on a 14-day fast. And Hustler just was coming in, and as we started praying, they brought in all these people to start renovating this for that club. And I said, we're going to fast and pray that nothing goes right that the city doesn't and folks here's what happened now fasting let me just be honest because we're going to be praying and fasting as we get ready for the Christmas production fasting is hard for me it's a discipline that I do but it's not easy i'm italian and so it's not it's it's a it's a step of just going god i'm going to do this cuz because it, it's it's dealing with food which is very precious and so I said, 14 days, we're gonna see God shut this thing down. Folks, I am telling you, we started to pray meet every single night. First night, as we started praying and fasting, no food, we saw them putting up the scaffolding to renovate it. Second day, as we're praying, they're changing out the signs, putting up all this new signage. Third day, putting lights in the parking lot. Fourth day, they're painting the, the building is looking better than ours. And I just said, hold on God I said I'm fasting I'm praying not for them but against them to shut them down and it seems like we've made a huge mistake because the longer we fast the better their building starts to look and I all of a sudden I started to think to myself this is not going right we never should have done this and then I learned from God keep this in mind The kingdom of God is not technology. The kingdom of God is agriculture. See, we want God on some 5G network to do something immediately. God goes, I work with seeds in the ground. I do stuff that nobody else is looking for. You want to log in and log on and shut the thing down. I've got stuff I've got to do. So pardon me, Tim, if I'm not moving fast enough for you, but I know exactly what I'm doing. So you realize you plant the seed. You didn't just log into a network, and every time you pray and get serious with God, You're planting a seed. You don't see what's happening, but God knows what he's doing. People always ask me what happened. We stopped fasting, I got tired. A few years ago, almost 15 years later, the police raided the place, shut it down and it doesn't exist anymore, is what happened. But it took 15 years, what God was doing. I wasn't fasting for 15 years, I can tell you that right now. But here's what I've learned. You ready for this? For those who grew up in the church, he may not come when you want him, but he's always right on time. He knew exactly what he was doing. And that's why sometimes the first day of obedience will feel like I made a huge mistake. But the second thing is this. When I don't feel God, I'll blame God. When I don't feel God, I blame him. And this is so important. There's a lot of Moses in Exodus 5. There's a lot of Pharaoh. There's a lot of the people of Israel. But there doesn't seem to be a lot of God. He seems almost to be absent in this. I heard one preacher say it like this the teacher is always silent when the test is being given. Yeah, yeah. The teacher is never speaking as he's testing, and all of a sudden, you take your papers out and you're writing. The teacher's not teaching at that point. He's now at this point being silent. God has just stepped away because the test is starting. And there are certain things, listen to me, those that are watching, maybe even from Russia or watching from Ukraine. There are certain things you can only see in the dark. It's when God turns out the lights at night that you can see the moon and the stars and that part of creation. But if God doesn't turn out the lights, you never see those things. And there are certain parts of God's character, He has to turn out the lights so you can see what He can do in the dark for you. God is able to do those kind of things. Lights were going out in Exodus 5. So God can show him a new part. Lights went out. Think about this. Lights went out for Job in the book of Job. And Job makes this. I want to read this amazing statement. I've read it in funerals. I've read it to people. Listen to these words. Job 121. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. What's the rest? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Look how powerful that is. Keep that up on the screen for a moment. Job did not say the Lord gave and the devil took away. The Lord has taken away. Job said God's name is blessed whether he's giving or whether he's taking. The praise of Job is not just praise the Lord for provision, it's also praise the Lord for subtraction because you know exactly what you're going to do. We live in a country and we live in a time in the church that all we have people talking about from pulpits is the provision, provision. But can I tell you, his name is blessed when he takes away. His name is blessed when he says, no, 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 no more of this. We only know the God of provision. But he's also the God that knows how to subtract from our lives. He's also the God that goes, hey, I'm going to take this away right now. I'm going to provide here. But can I tell you, whether he's providing or whether he's subtracting, You've got someone right here on 51st and Broadway going, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Because if you're here today to serve the addition, God, you're going to get frustrated with him. Because we don't understand. See, for Job to get to this point becomes the biggest test of praise. It's always easy to praise the provision. God, thank you for providing But the praise of subtraction, oh my goodness, that's not an easy praise, folks. It's a time that we want to blame God. But can I tell you the journey to praising and subtraction? When God removes a relationship, God removes a job, God removes a part of your geography, God removes a part of your comfort. And if we don't understand, blessed be his name, then we start blaming him. But it is a journey to learn that kind of praise. It's a journey to go, the Lord gives, and the Lord what? It's a journey to go, blessed be your name. It is a journey. It can, can I tell you how he said it? Because it's the verse prior that shows you the humanity the, of this verse, the humanness of this verse. So before he says this, look at verse 20 before 21. Job arose tore his robe, shaved his head, and fell to the ground in worship. Here is a man who has pulled out his beard. He, is, he, is, he has shaved his head. He is laying on the ground, but the man who said those words is a man who is bald. He is laying on the ground, but it was still able to come out, even in his wrestling with God. See, the danger is when you start interpreting takeaway as God fighting against you. When God subtracts, he's not fighting against you. He is is just as much God when he provides, and he is just as much God as when he subtracts. When he does something that you don't understand, don't blame him, but realize the teacher is silent on this because the teacher is doing something on this. Okay. Let me, make, let me make this real with an, with an example. I, I was reading a book some years ago from Gary Richmond, who used to be a, a Christian brother, but who used to be the zookeeper of the San Diego, the famous San Diego Zoo. And Gary Richmond was talking about in his book, A View from the Zoo, he talked about the birth of a baby giraffe in the wild in Africa. This is what he said. It is a six-hour birthing process for one calf. And Gary Richmond said when that calf, that mom is standing, and that baby comes out of the womb, it will literally fall between six to ten feet and hit the ground. Welcome to planet Earth. It is like, boom! And this is what it says. These, These little bony calf with little shaky legs, the calf is struggling to stand up for the very first time. The mother is about to greet it. The mother, Richmond says, the mother looks, waits for the calf on his own to struggle up, to struggle to get these bony legs up, and then the mother will turn its back, pick up its hind legs, and boom, kick it over. Welcome to my country. (laughs) I'm reading this, I'm going, put her in jail. Seriously? Then this is is the introduction. This is mom. This is abuse. And all of a sudden, they say that that little calf struggles to get up again. Mom turns around. Boom! Knocks it over. He says it happens five, six, seven times. At this point, I'm going, shoot that mother. Shoot her. We don't want her around. And then Gary Richmond says this. He says, you don't understand what she's doing. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. What is the next part? Blessed be his name. When she takes away the standing ability, we're thinking that mother just knocked that baby over. He goes, that's not what she's doing. He said, when lions hunt, they hunt for the babies because they don't get up fast enough. And so what the mom is doing is every time it kicks it, it's teaching the baby to get back up faster every single time. So while you're sitting here, just like me. I know what you did. Come on, balcony. You were judging that mom giraffe over and over again, just like I did. But because you don't understand what that mom knew. That mom knew I've got lions that are hunting for that little baby. I've got to teach that baby how to stand back up, how to get back up. And I think there are some times that God, and when you get to the place you're supposed to be, God just goes, boop, and you're going, what are you doing? He goes, I'm just teaching you need to get back up. He says, because you're going to get fought. Things are going to come against you. I just need you to stand and get ready. So when you get knocked down, don't get angry with God. Just get back up and say, God, I know that you have the best interest for me. You know what I'm doing. You're on my side. God's not against me, but God is for me. Hallelujah. 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 Stand with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 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 God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. When I grew up when I grew up they don't even exist anymore. When I grew up, Duran and Yuka, when we grew up, there was a thing on Saturdays called Saturday cartoons. They don't even exist anymore. I remember the junior. How, how old are you? Oh, he's you're, you're 39. He doesn't know. He's 39. And I remember growing up, and you'd watch the Johnny Quests and the Scooby Doo's and all that stuff. Can I tell you? I'm 58 years old. In a few weeks, I'm going to be 59. And let me just know. Don't clap Gave yourself away. I remember to this day, not anything I watched, but I remember to this day what used to come in between the car, to this day, I'm 58 years old. I remember the shows that used to come in between the main shows. And there was this one show that I always remembered when I, when I was growing up and it was this, it had happened every Saturday, and it was called, you ready for this? <laughs> It was called Schoolhouse Rock. How many know what I'm talking about? You remember that, Ricardo? And I'm telling you, I learned how to make a bill in Washington, D.C. I knew what an exclamation point was. I knew it, but I'm telling you, there's one thing that I always remember, and it was a train station, and a train would come along, and they would come on, and they would say this, conjunction, junction. What's wrong with this church? You you know this more than the scriptures. What's wrong with you people? It's the loudest you've been. This this poor man has been leading you in worship and you, you know schoolhouse rock. Conjunction, junction, what's your function? And this is what we learned. That that means with one simple word, a sentence can change. It means that the first part of the sentence is not the end of the story because the conjunction just added a brand new twist in the story. So if you put in an and or an or or a but or a then and you put that in there, it says the first part is not the ending because the conjunction just made it a great part on the other side of it. So before you start getting upset with God on part one, God, you have to give God a chance to show up at part two. Because God, and, and here's what's amazing. So while Moses is angry, ever since I came, the people are angry, waiting for him. You've made us odious in sight. Here's what's amazing. Is in, in I realize this, is in a believer's life, every season in my life is connected to a conjunction. Because when chapter five of Exodus 5 ends with him saying, ever since I've come, I want you to see 6-1 because 6-1 is the conjunction. Then it says this, then the Lord said to Moses, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. Now it's my turn. To show up. You've been trying to do this on your own. Your anger didn't change it. Your frustration didn't change it. Ever since I came didn't change it. He says, now it's my turn to step in and to do what I'm supposed to do. And I've been waiting. And those that know the end of the story, God shows up with ten plagues. God shows up, gets them through a Red Sea. God shows up, brings water out of a rock. God shows up, sends bread from heaven. God shows up every single time oh pastor Tim but that's that old story oh the greatest New Testament conjunction and 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 we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those that love God and to those who are called according to his purposes I got a conjunction I got a conjunction that even if I hear God, obey God, submit to leadership and in the right place, and it's not going so good, I'm connected to a God who has a conjunction and says, hold on. Listen, when it's not good, it's just not over. The conjunction didn't kick in yet, and God is looking at some of you who are about to throw it all or throw it away, and God goes, don't throw your face away. Ever since I came, ever since I tithe, ever since I said yes, and I'm telling you, if it's not good, it's not over. He's working it out. And, and and before we do anything, let me just tell you this: I feel strongly about this because some of you are in that "Where are my magic bricks?" season. You've been waiting for magic bricks, and God goes, "Your deliverance aren't coming through magic bricks. They're not coming." that way I'm not bringing because that was your script but today this is a day balcony online main floor that you're going God this is my where is my magic brick season but God I'm determining today I'm not it's not me looking for magic bricks I'm just looking for the conjunction where you're going to show up and take care of this situation right now I'm Mm -hmm. believing you're going to do it Come on! How many have ever... How many said the words "ever since"? How many have ever said the "ever since" stuff? Ever since, ever since I said yes, ever since I came, ever since I did this, I've... I, folks, look at me. I say it every day here. Ever since, I, and God goes, and every day I see a conjunction. 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 See a conjunction. God shows up every single time. And I wanted to do this for just a moment. I'm going to ask her, Carter, just to sing something. But if you're here today and that's the magic, you're in that, where are my magic bricks? But today you go, God, you're in charge of this. You're in charge of this. I'm not looking for magic bricks or snowing straw. I'm just looking for you right now because you have a plan that's bigger because I feel like that God I just got knocked over and I've been angry at you for kicking me over and God goes I'm just teaching you to get back up and some of you stood up but now some of you need to start moving forward today and if you're here today as Ricardo begins to lead us in just a song of worship and going Pastor Tim today I'm submitting to God and saying I know I said those words but today I stand put I stand firm and God's gonna balcony balcony Main floor, online, you just hold on because we'll pray for you in a second. But if you're here today and say, Pastor Tim, I'm leaving my seat walking down here today to say, God is gonna take me through this season. God is gonna take me through this Quickly, wherever you're at in this place, get out of your seat. I want you to come down. Quickly, in the balcony, begin to make your way down. We're gonna pray for you today. God's gonna do something special. Come on. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message and be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.